giver of every good and perfect gift, we acknowledge thy bounty in these gifts, which we now offer and dedicate unto thee. We pray thee to accept them and multiply them for the work of thy church and the spread of thy kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please turn and greet you with the peace and love of Christ. A lot of times she won't. Yeah. All right, if we can get our parents to find their seats. You can find your seats. We're going to move this to the end of the service, I'm pretty sure, pretty soon. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a huge crowd of kids this morning, so if y'all please settle down, settle down. Are you going to join us down here, bro? Yeah, I'll, I'll join you. Okay, appreciate it. Uh, All right, so kids. Can anybody tell me what Thursday is? 
It is. Good job. No pressure, John Luke. No pressure. Uh, and what is Thanksgiving all about, John Luke? Being thankful. It is about being thankful. Good job. Good job. And food. That's right. Let's be real honest about that. Uh, I'm excited about that food. Okay, so I have a, a verse to read us, uh, to all of us, not just John Luke, to all the kids, no matter your age. James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above. You know the word every, you know what it means? All of it. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And so what this means, John Luke, is that everything in my life that is good, every good thing, does not come from me. It doesn't come through my paycheck. It might come through my paycheck, but it comes from my paycheck. It doesn't come from my efforts. It may come through my efforts. God might use many things to get those gifts to us. But just like a tree, right? It, it, its leaves are gorgeous, especially right now. Everything's changing. It's like those nutrients down in the soil. The trunk might get the nutrients from the roots to the tree, to the top. But it is the roots that are the source. And so our Father in heaven is the source of every good and every perfect gift. And I sure hope I can remember that better this year. And even beyond this week. Do you do this where you'll spend this week really thinking through Thanksgiving? The next Sunday will come and you're on to the next thing. It's kind of like Christmas. You get you know, Christmas out of your system after four weeks of Advent. Maybe you're really ready for it to be done with uh, how everything's commercialized. And, and then you hit January 1, and it's like you're back to normal, and you forget. So my, my prayer for myself and for you is that this week would be priming the pump of Thanksgiving, but that our Thanksgiving wouldn't end on Thursday. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for John Luke. Uh, I thank you for this young man whom you have um, given eternal life to. I pray for him and our other covenant children, Lord, that you would grow them in your grace, nourish their faith, Lord, um, cause them to be great witnesses for you. Lord, I pray that their faith would, would not just be there, but it would be strong and overflowing. They would use them uh, as instruments to bring many others uh, to a saving knowledge of Christ. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, no children's church this morning. Thanks, John Luke. <laughs> well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that on page 192. And just as a reminder, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we'd love to give you one. In fact, it's time for me to order uh, some more. I'm thankful that we have to order them so frequently. There's one more copy, and I'd love to see it gone if you don't have one. Uh, you'll find it on the table right outside the back double doors. This morning, we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 4 through 15. If you're able, if you'll please stand for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go out after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and He destroy you from off the face of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for Your servant Moses, through whom You spoke uh, many years ago. I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning, that we would be changed and transformed and we would love you better. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Surprisingly, I'm talking about Thanksgiving this morning. I hope you've picked up on the theme. Um, You know, I've been thinking this week about how Oftentimes, I see giving thanks as something that is optional in my prayer life. I follow the ACTS, the ACTS uh, form of prayer. It helps me keep, um, uh, keeps me focused in prayer, where we begin with adoration, then confession, then thanksgiving, and then supplication. And I have to admit that the A and the C and the T often are shorter than the bits of the end. And I will often run through the thanksgiving a little faster than I should. But in reality, thanksgiving is not optional for believers. It is vital and mandatory. I like to, well, let me back up. I don't like to. I go to the Y and exercise some. And if you go into the exercise room with all the machines, I'm amazed at how many different machines there are. And I don't know what half of them do. They look like their sole purpose is to hurt you. I have my normal five or six that I do, uh, hating it all the time, and I just walk by the other ones because they're optional, and my fine is life, my life is fine without them. And I wonder if that describes my attitude about giving thanks to the Lord or not. A lot of times, we just treat it as, as something extra, one of those options, and it's good when we do it, but it's not really vital. My friends, I'm here to tell you, That we are called as believers in Christ to live lives that are full of thanksgiving to the Lord. It's a command we find all throughout Scripture. Uh, Forty-four times it appears explicitly in the Old Testament. That doesn't include all the commands there for uh, for worshiping, for exalting, for rejoicing in, for being joyful, uh, for living a blessed life. All those things are tied very closely to the idea of giving thanks. 
And I think generally we live, especially as Americans, who generally have all of our basic needs met, I think we live lives that are basically devoid of a serious uh, focus on giving thanks to God. So this morning I want to think about uh, how thanksgiving, giving thanks, is vital to the Christian life, and especially in seasons of plenty. Because seasons of plenty can be dangerous because they can take away from us, just like happened here in Deuteronomy 6 and later, they can take away our felt need for Jesus. And soon we become so enraptured with the gifts that we forget the giver. And so really in seasons of plenty, we have to be very intentional, even more intentional perhaps than usual, about giving thanks to God. What's the context here? Context here. Well, Deuteronomy is the last of five books that Moses wrote, that the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write. He would have finished Deuteronomy about uh, 1400 B.C.-ish. Um, and, uh, and Deuteronomy is, is, is actually a collection of three sermons that Moses delivered to the Israelites as they were about to go into the Promised Land. Now, you remember that Moses wasn't allowed to go into the Promised Land. So he's going to preach this and then basically die. Uh, he's going to be promoted to, to higher service in heaven. Now, they've been wandering around for about 40 years, you remember, because they refused to go into the promised land the first time, and a whole generation had died out. And now it was time for, the, for, for Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the second law. So this is a, a recommitment to the Lord God as they are about to go into the promised land, as Moses reminds God's people about what is required of them and about what God has done for them. Now, of all of Deuteronomy, as important as it is, chapters 5 and 6 are the most important chapters, and it could be argued that Deuteronomy 6 is the most important chapter in all of the Old Testament. Why? Because of verses 5 and 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This became the creedal statement, the the central statement of Old Testament religion. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You know, the waiting had finally come to an end. And they were going to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. And what does God tell His people through His servant Moses Love me. I want your heart. I want your affections. You're about to get a bunch of really good stuff, and you're about to see a bunch of amazing things I'm going to do. But listen, worship me, he says. When you see all of these other gods, remember Yahweh, the Lord, he is one, he's not many gods. Your your fathers made the the calf in the desert at at Sinai. That that wasn't me. That wasn't God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. God wants our whole heart, all of our might, all of our souls. He brooks no rival. And so often in times of plenty, we are quick to share our affections. And our affections are meant to be Upon God. We see this warning in verses 10 through 12. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now, listen to all these things that he's about to give them. 
with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, in cisterns that you did not dig, in vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. They're going to get all these great things. Ha, ah, but here's a warning. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Praise God for times of plenty. Praise God when the storehouses are full. Praise God when we're healthy and these many other blessings we have. But we should take care lest we lose focus on God. So I want to walk through a few reasons why it's important that we give thanks in times of plenty. The first is that it keeps us from thinking that we're the ones who did it. You know, there's no sin in having plenty of money, clothes, food, or cars. God likes to give good gifts, and I hope He has given you some of those gifts. But here's the thing, while He uses our hard work to give us those gifts, it is He Himself who has given them. He is the source of the gift. Have you ever forgotten who gave you something? Um, I, I remember I, I like fountain pens. Um, life's too short to use cheap pens. And, and so I, I got my first pen when I, when I graduated seminary. It was a graduation gift to myself. And I lost it uh, about two weeks later. Uh, and so I got another one. And for a long time, I had one fountain pen, maybe two. But now I have a box full of fountain pens on my desk. And I was rooting through them this week, and I found one that I hadn't seen in a long time. And y'all, one of you gave it to me. And I don't remember who it was. It was about eight or nine years ago. Some, I mentioned my love of fountain pens in a sermon, and someone brought me one they had in a drawer they weren't using. And it's a great pen, and I hadn't used it in years, and I have no clue who gave it to me. So often that's how we are with the many wonderful things in our lives that we forgot who gave it to us. And I'm here to remind you, it was God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? You know, giving thanks, being intentional about returning thanks to God specifically for specific blessings, one of the things it does is it brings to mind that God is the one who did it. And when we give thanks for something that we know that we could not have done on our own, we are admitting our weakness before the Lord. And that's called, that's called humility. It's a humility-building practice. This is the logic of Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So the first reason we are to give thanks in, in times of plenty is it reminds us that we're not the ones to get the credit. Number two, it keeps us anchored to the giver. It keeps us anchored to the giver. What do I mean by that? Think about a boat in the middle of a bad storm. Multi-million dollar sailing yacht, engines are dead. In the middle of that bad storm with the cliffs, a lee shore, not very far. What is keeping it from hitting the cliff? It is an anchor. The boat, is, the boat is a mighty big blessing, a, a grand possession, but without that anchor, it is lost. Who is that anchor? The anchor is Christ. 
being intentional about giving thanks to the Lord specifically acts like that anchor, that anchor line, causing us to be reminded of God's good gifts, His love, His character, and His provision for us. You know, when you have an anchor, it's important that it's tied to the boat. Did you know that? When I was a kid, uh, my parents had a boat, and we needed an anchor. So we went and bought an anchor. We were going to go anchor off of Chimney Rock at uh, Lake Martin. And anchors aren't cheap. Uh, we went and bought the anchor and 100 feet of line. It was my job to throw the anchor in. A couple things to note. One, the water there is deeper than 100 feet. And two, um, you should always tie the line to the boat. Uh, <laughs> this brand new, you know, $56 anchor with all the line, I just, fed, you know, I looked down and all of a sudden there was no more line in my hand. Uh, Christ is the anchor. And we are called to, to keep that anchor line tight so we're not drifting away from Him. You know, spiritual drift is a dangerous thing, isn't it? You've experienced that in your life, haven't you? When you, you're not keeping close, count, close accounts with God or you're not seeking Him as you were, once were, and next thing you know, your affections aren't what they were. And it's harder to pray and it's harder to read God's Word. That's called spiritual drift. And one of the things that happens with spiritual drift is we forget who our anchor is, the importance of being anchored to Him, and who gave us all of our wonderful blessings. This is what we get in verses 13 through 15. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go out after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. You know, when, there's, when we allow ourselves to drift from the Lord, we allow ourselves to be wooed away from Him. And giving thanks is a great way to keep anchored to the giver. To, to have that constant daily rhythm of giving thanks to God for all that He has given. This, this keeps us mindful of His character. And it keeps us mindful of all that He has blessed us with. So that when we come into hard seasons, we are reminded of just how good we have it. Unfortunately, the Israelites did not follow this advice. They did not follow God's command. For one generation, they did. The next generation was awesome. Joshua, that's, go read Joshua. What a great book. It's exciting. Not without flaw, not, the book's without flaw, not without flaws, that first generation. But the second generation, no good. Joshua, excuse me, Judges 2, verses 10 through 11. In all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work He had done for Israel. Why was that? Because their homes were not filled with an atmosphere of thankfulness. It was not filled with the law of God. It was not filled, filled with a fear of the Lord. And as a result, two generations, the whole place was apostate. Parents and grandparents... It is our job to foster an atmosphere of thankfulness to the Lord. We talk Wednesday night about how there's actually no literal word for give thanks in Hebrew. It is to praise God for something that He has done. So when we are giving thanks, we are praising God, which is the very essential um, point of fearing God. We are praising God for specific things that He has done. And when our, our homes are filled with the praise of God, it means our children will hear about the Lord. And by God's grace, we'll turn to Him in salvation. And the next generation will know the Lord. 
This is what he's talking about in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You see, you see that's called a merism. Uh, sit and walk, two opposites. So two opposites and everything in between. And when you lie down and when you rise, those are opposites. You're either lying down or you're rising at all times. So everything in between, so all the time. These things are meant to be on our lips, teaching them to our children and to our grandchildren, that they might continue to praise and worship the Lord and give thanks to Him. Next, it keeps us from idolizing the gifts. Idolizing the gifts. Giving thanks to the Lord in seasons of plenty is important because it keeps us from idolizing the gifts. What it does is it keeps us from making the gift to be on the same par as the giver. This is a good time to say that there are times when seasons of plenty doesn't mean materially seasons of plenty. There's so many ways in which we are blessed. Are you rich right now in friends? Are you in good health? Are you in a good place with your job and your coworkers? Or in a sweet season with your spouse or kids? How about being able to sleep at night? Are you rich in sleep? That's one of those things that when it's taken away, you know how much you need it. So when we're rich in sleep, perhaps we should say, thank you, God, for good sleep. Was it a good time with your grandchildren or great-grands? Do you have one that the Lord has just blessed you with recently? Whatever gifts of God we enjoy... They are meant to point us to the giver. The end of the focus, the focus is, I mean, enjoy the gift. God wants you to enjoy the gift. But the gift, the good gift, is meant to point you ultimately to God. Because here's the thing. The things that we are given cannot bear the weight of being God in our life. They cannot bear the weight of being an idol. Your spouse might just be an amazing person. And praise God. For your spouse or your children, you might have fantastic children. Praise God for them, but they are not God, and they cannot bear the weight of that expectation on them. You know, when we come to the Lord in thankfulness for the gifts, it actually allows us to enjoy the gift. Have you ever had a gift that you focus so much on that it's lost its joy and its specialness? Where you get so focused on it, the next thing you know, you've worn it out. Gifts can often be like a hard-boiled egg. What do I mean by that? A hard-boiled egg, if you hold it loosely, put a little salt on it, it tastes great. If you hold on it too tightly, you're just going to have a mess on your hands. The gifts of God are meant to be held with an open hand as they point us to Jesus rather than the gift itself. When we are giving thanks to the Lord for the gifts He He has given us, it helps us not to idolize the gift. You know, and it helps us so that when hard times come, and perhaps that season of plenty changes to a season of want, having an open hand about these gifts means that it's easier to take what is next. Do you remember the example of Job? 
Do you remember what happened, what he did when he lost his seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants? Do you remember what he did? Then Job arose and he tore his robes. That's mourning. He mourned and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave. And that's where we usually like to stop right there, isn't it? The Lord is given. Praise be to God. But that's not the end of that verse, is it? The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Giving thanks in seasons of plenty is like a vaccine to prepare us for times of hardship, that we can look back and say, praise God for all that He has done for me. And because of that, I know He'll get me through this season too. It also helps us by possibly preventing God having to take it away from us. Now, Sometimes God will take good gifts from us for a season for, for no reason that we know of except it for our good. But there's also the discipline of the Lord that when we make things into God's, He doesn't like it. And as a good father who loves his children, He will often take those gifts away. I have a my pastor in seminary, Alan Carter, said, be careful what you make idols out of because God will probably take it away from you. And that can be really painful to have it torn from us. You know, God gives us good gifts for two reasons. For our good and for His glory. He wants to give us good things. But it is for His glory that we might worship Him for them. And when we stop worshiping the Lord and thanking God for that which He has given us, we have to be careful because He might be about to take it away from us. You know, we are called to hold all things in our lives with an open hand. I can think of things in my life that the Lord has taken from me because I had made them into more than they were meant to be. And I'm, I'm, it was awful. And I'm so thankful he did. Because then it helps me now to remember, Lord, help me to have an open hand to receive from you that which you have for me today. Well, let's talk about Jesus. The greatest blessings we have are the spiritual blessings we have in Jesus. You know, as, as God had taken His people out of the land of slavery, what an amazing thing He did in the Exodus. Two to three million Israelites were enslaved by Pharaoh and he really enjoyed their free labor. They were living under oppression of Pharaoh and spiritual oppression in a land that did not know and fear the Lord. God heard their cry, remembered His covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he sent Moses to go and to rescue them, to redeem them, to, to pull them out. They were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Do you see where I'm, how I'm getting to Jesus on this one? 
There's a greater exodus. There's a greater exodus. And it is not just out of the land of Pharaoh. It is out of the domain of darkness, of sin, of Satan himself. Which before we knew Jesus, we loved and had no desire to escape. But the Lord God has sent His Holy Spirit and has given us new hearts and calls us to hate that and to love Him and to call upon Him in faith and repentance. Praise be to God. There's a greater Exodus. There's a greater Moses. Jesus. Who has redeemed us not with the blood of bulls and goats, but the true Passover lamb without spot or blemish. And soon there arose a generation that had forgotten about what God had done for His people, and they abandoned Him. But when we remember, when you and I remember, we foster that spirit of thankfulness as we think about how good we have it in Christ, that we have been forgiven of each and every sin, that our baggage has been taken by Jesus on the cross. He took not just our guilt, but also our shame. That He rose on the third day, and now all those who trust in Him are given the right to become children of the living God. If we are children of the living God, and we are thankful for that, then, then we'll get through whatever. Whatever comes our way, the Lord will help us. Because He has given us His only Son, His most precious gift. If He has not spared His own Son, then He's going to give us everything we need. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Finally, let me say this, that there is a thankfulness that we are to have for not what has happened yet or is happening now, but will happen. Because the the Israelites were standing on this side of the Jordan looking over into the promised land. But my friends, there's a better promised land. It's the true land of hope that the promised land was pointing them and us to. And it is the land of heaven. Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. That's right. Where sickness, sorrow, pain, and death are felt and feared no more. We're looking over the Jordan and that which is to come. And y'all, that is our inheritance. We are sons of the king. And he has promised that that belongs to us. And so when times of plenty or times of want come, it all pales in comparison to what He has in store for those who trust in Him. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are thankful for salvation in Christ. And Lord, You have not only redeemed us, You have called us to be Your children. Let us then look over the Jordan, look into the true promised land of heaven, the new heavens, new earth, Fill us with thankfulness, Lord. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, if you'll find your hymnals and turn to page 50, we're going to read, excuse me, we're going to sing the first three verses, the Mark verses of number 50, The Lord is my shepherd, I'll not want.
brothers and sisters, turn and receive God's good word to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.